You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Well, never mind that. What if you just put regular <laughs> gas in it, which is what's you know, oh, a criminal act gas. as far as I'm concerned. That's man. What are you talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> that's what Manzel is. Right now, he's a Lamborghini that someone put regular gas in. Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with the John Baker to my Frank Ponch Poncherello, Cliffy D. All right. So. I like it. Once again, I think we're aging ourselves with these uh, references. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but I'm pretty sure the kids don't really necessarily dig it. But no, uh, I, I, I'm sure I can continue and continue. We, there are many references we can do. I like it. Wait, so, uh, so yeah. Um, what a way to go back to reality. As I said, it, it, it struck midnight for Cinderella, and Pipkin turned back into a pumpkin. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. He did, and I don't know. Alouette's coming off a of bio week. We know they're just at five hundred. Um, dude, this this. It's just so frustrating. Remember what I was mentioning at the, at, you know, in the last episode is that you know the Alouettes need to take advantage of the opportunities given to them in order to further themselves when it came to the playoff race. And once again, the team lets it, uh, they just they they, they crap the bed <laughs> to to be you know blunt without having to bring out the lunatic. Um, yeah, it's it just Pipkin looked absolutely horrible. He said it in his post-game interview, I think more than once. I think it's at least four or five times that he said it. And, uh, yeah, so the Alouettes' short two-game losing uh, winning streak is over. We're back on to a, a winning streak. We still, you know, we still have a chance to get more wins than last year. We still have a couple more games to go in the season. Mm-hmm. But it really did put a hurting and a damper onto the Alouettes' possible chances to make a playoff in the whole and to stave off the, the you know uh the the dreaded west from coming east and being the crossover mm-hmm. well the one wonderful thing about this right now is as it stands right now and even no matter what happens this weekend no one's been eliminated from the playoffs and no one's qualified for the playoffs either so i mean it's still an open field for the most part but yeah, the Alouettes did themselves absolutely no favors with that game against the BC Lions. It's really unfortunate. And the only thing I can say is that Antonio Pipkin looked like a quarterback who's only played his fourth professional football game. So, yeah, rookie's going to rookie sometime. I mean, it, it happens. He had a bad day at the office. It It's unfortunate. Uh, listen, what, what, what else can you say? I mean, this is uh, an Alouettes team that's still trying to find its way. I mean... I honestly think that this bye week was probably the worst thing that could have possibly happened. And I, that was my, one of my biggest fears was that maybe this will kind of cool their jets a little bit. And sure enough, they were they were pretty cooled down. <laughs> yeah, to, to say the least. Um, uh, anything I think that well, that could go wrong did go wrong. Just at the beginning of the game itself, you know, Pipkin did really did not look like himself. He did not like the, look like the Antonio Pipkin that we knew 
over the two-game winning streak. And even, you know, the very first game that he started, even though he may have lost, something about him, Cliff, he just seemed, he seemed tentative. He seemed unsure of himself. He seemed scared. It's as if he didn't want to do all the things that he normally had done. Uh, hesitated when he wanted, when we thought that he should run. Uh, these, these interceptions just, you know, through four of them in the second quarterback that the Alouettes have had do that this year. And he just did not look the same at all. And it, it, I think that's what's just very frustrating because I think both you and I know that this dude does have some talent. Without question. And I, I think that a lot of it was he was overthinking a lot of his plays. Like, I mean, he was making his reads, but there was no check down. There was no anything for him to like no safety valve for him to get out of trouble. And he just held on to the ball too long, was overthinking it. And then when he did finally throw it, more often than not, he either incompleted it or it, it got intercepted. I, I mean, it, it's very frustrating for us to watch in the stands because, as you said, we definitely know what kind of talent this young man has. And for him to just lay an egg, essentially, I, I mean, it, it wasn't completely his fault, but no. he does have to shoulder a lot of the, the brunt of it. And he did, to his credit. He Like you said, he's definitely stepped up and said, hey, this is on me. I played a terrible game, and I deserve the blame for it. And he does deserve some of the blame, but certainly not all of it. And again, I just chalk it up to you had a bad day. It happens. You dust yourself off and you go back out there. Although <laughs> and, and, and we'll get we'll get to it. But uh, yeah. unfortunately, he's not going to get a chance necessarily to get back out there because uh, it's not this week. Yep. There's uh, there's some extenuating circumstances that are going to prevent Antonio Pipkin from being able to redeem himself so quickly. Yep, and what's interesting is this week is that we are going to have a special guest who's going to be able to talk with us just about that. And This is the gentleman who knows exactly what it comes to when it's being a starting quarterback and then getting bumped uh, to, to to back up. Uh, we are going to be speaking with Tan, uh, former Alouettes quarterback Tanner Marsh in a few minutes, and that should be very interesting because I know you and I, we had so much to say after the game itself, and I'm, I can just imagine what, what Tanner's going to say when it comes to what, what he's thinking about what, what the Alouettes are doing. Um, and Pipkin himself did not, you know, he didn't help himself. I mean, sure, threw, he sure he threw for 50%, you know, 11 to 22, but dude, it was only for 95 yards, no touchdowns, four picks. Uh, you could say he actually, uh, he did score two touchdowns, but they just, you know, they pass it to, to the other team and they happen to run them back. Uh, <laughs> Pipkin nine attempts, 69 yards, no touchdowns. You know, it's bad when he almost, uh, out his rushing yards almost outpaces his passing. Uh, Stanbeck only gets, uh, back into starting role only gets, uh, eight touches for 52 yards. And this is what really ticks me off because, you know, the score 32-14 is a little misleading of what the score actually was in the fourth quarter before the two picks. And when that, you know, when that occurs, I mean, you look at your your receivers. Uh, you know, our leading receiver, dude, was Eugene Lewis. One reception. One reception. 36 yards. B.J. Cunningham had two. Ejack had uh, uh, seven targets. He had the most of, out of all owls. But for uh, he only had two receptions. Stampin got targeted quite a few times, two or three times. Uh, Bowman only got it once. Uh, Patrick Lavoie... Uh, uh, a day got also got a, a catch. Um, yeah, and you know, considering that you know Travis Lule went down, oh, wow, it's poor, poor Travis Lule uh, went down for, with an injury versus the Alouettes. I think it's for the fifth time now. Uh, separated shoulder. So uh, Jonathan Jennings came in and did admirably well. I mean, nineteen of thirty, one eighty, and one and one. Um, you know, he also had almost fifty yards rushing, but they were able to do what they needed to do. You know. 
plus getting you know those uh, those extra 14 points off of turnovers no and i can't say enough good things about the bc lions defense i mean they came to play they played with a purpose and yeah they just literally walked all over antonio antonio pipkin and the alouettes offense there was and the defense for the alouettes was practically non-existent i mean they they're still a decent unit but there were still a lot of a lot of missed opportunities oh, and at time and it's it's unfortunate but i mean again the defense can't be expected to win these games and What's really troubling to me, though, is the fact that Pipkin has really, th- truly, in the four games he's played, he's only thrown one touchdown pass. I- I'm sorry, you're just as good as he has been as far as connecting with receivers and being able to move the ball with his feet and just move the chains with the way he plays. He's still not throwing touchdowns. And I'm sorry, you're not going to win football games if you don't throw touchdowns. I mean, rushing for touchdowns, goal line touchdowns is nice and all. It definitely puts points on the board, but you still have to be able to really produce an offense. And unfortunately, Pipkin really, truly hasn't done very much of that. He's he's definitely been a breath of fresh air. He's definitely been the best quarterback we've seen all season long and mo- definitely the most consistent quarterback we've seen all season long. But it's still things like that that are just I, – I really wish I knew – what the answer was, why this team just still struggles to score points. It, I, I mean, winning games is great, but you still got to be able to put points on the board. And the Alouettes are just not doing that in 2018. No. And who, who do we blame for that? I mean, we got, yes, we have a, a quarterback carousel. Yeah. Uh, we got receivers that are talented, but just aren't e- either able to get open or when the ball does come their way, they just aren't expecting it and they drop it. Or, or what? But uh, again, abandoning the run too because yeah, maybe we can even get at least get some rushing touchdowns to get on the board. But uh, do we blame the coaches? I mean, there's there's just so much to go around. There's so much blame to be assigned to everybody when it comes to the reason why this offense is just so anemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I could just point to one thing and say that's the reason why the Elowitz aren't scoring touchdowns, and that's got to be changed. I think I mean, it's a combination that, of things too because you know if the offense not being out there enough that it, it gasses the defense because the other team you know usually holds an, uh, an exuberant uh amount of time when it comes to uh the difference in the uh, uh the time of possession um it's so it's it's but the defenses look better uh you know the second downs of the owls were only six of 19 this past week um they were able to hold their penalties to only seven which was good but they came at inopportune times especially i think most of them were on on special teams um, and the time of possession was half decent. I mean, they, it was only a five minute difference, which I think to me, to me is manageable. That shows that they were in the game and, uh, you know, defensive wise, the defense, you know, out of everything, the defense, I think had, had, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They did everything from, from as many two and outs as they did, even though BC was 50% on their second downs, uh, to a blocked field goal for a touchdown. So it's, it's something that's. You know, they are, you know, we, we talk about how, how they're doing. They're improving. The def- the offense is not, and that's what they need to do. So, uh, you know, the, the the team was in the game up until the point, and then they had the block, and I know you're going to side with this one, the blocked field goal by Chip Cox, and it was returned uh, for 87 yards for a touchdown um, by uh, uh, by Campbell. Um 
We should be clear. Tavon. Yeah, Campbell. sorry. Yeah, Tavon Campbell. It's just true. <laughs> you can't even say T Campbell because there's also Tommy Campbell. I but know, this was I know. the touchdown was Tavon Campbell. Yeah, Tavon Campbell, <laughs> and for, it was the first blocked field goal for a touchdown in almost 40 years. And I was like, re- when I found out that stat, I was like, really? I get sworn the Alouettes had something more, but maybe I'm thinking of block punts for field goals. But yeah, that's that's hard to believe. Forty years in between, in between, uh, in between uh, a block field goal, but that helped. I mean, the Al- that put the Owls up. You know, that put it, 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 and it's, and then from there, it just they were in the game. They had the momentum. And then pfft, they, yeah. they 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 crapped the bed in the fourth. Yeah, I remember like after that field uh, that blocked field goal touchdown. I mean, the, I sensed the mood in the stadium. This I said the mood had changed and. It felt like like it was supposed to be, and like this team was on point again. Like I felt that okay, the momentum at that point had been kind of going back and forth between both teams, but then it just really swung right into Montreal's favor. Yeah, and like I said, you had the crowd in it, yes, and they were big time. amped. Yeah, and then you did nothing with it. No, did absolutely nothing. Considering it was a loud crowd too, since it's the uh, kind of the, the lowest attendance in Al's history since well, since '98. You know, just over 15,300, I think. Um, you know, Chip Cox, by the way, I mean, uh, he, had, he had 10 tackles. He led the team in tackles, Cliff. He led the mm. team in tackles. Oh, boy. I know you still shake your head. I know you still shake your head. But, um, you know, we're talking about what can the Alouettes do. It, it, things just got to be, get better. Um, if it, like we normally do, Cliff, we usually rate the team. Uh, are you and I basically, basically on on the same wavelength when we would – give the Alouettes offense a, a basically a fail oh without question i mean i, I don't I, think there's any reason we just you know it's it can't do anything you you go uh, yeah you just you can't do anything 14 points is not going to win you any games usually unless it's uh unless it's raining but i think the mm-hmm. the, fun, the curious thing that i want to know about from you is the de- is the defense because the defense itself uh, they they shined Special teams and defense really shined this 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 past week versus bc and i have no problem at all you know, even though, you know, considering what they went through and stuff like that, I have no problem giving them anywhere between, I think, a B minus to a C. No problem in any way giving them that type uh, of grade because, you know, they earned it. They really did. They kept this team in the game considering the offense did everything they could to keep, you know, to, to keep not to keep them out of it. When it comes to the to the defense, Cliff, what, what grade would you give the team? I think C is a very fair grade. You're absolutely right. I mean, you, you take those 14 points off the board that came from the turnovers, from those pick sixes. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a whole different ball game altogether. And this defense kept Montreal in it for the most part. Yeah. And again, it, it it's, it's it's so frustrating more than anything else to see a defense that plays their plays their butts off and they just come off the field like when when they're not on the field they're coming off the field and they watch the offense go to work and i use that term loosely yeah and uh yeah it's got to be disheartening for those guys on defense because you see that they're working you see they're doing their job and all the offense has to do is at least just stay on the field and they can't even do that i mean and it's back to the old tricks that's what bothers me more than anything else is we're seeing a lot of the same stuff being repeated that we've seen essentially all season long abandoning the run not connecting with receivers uh just Poor decision making, uh, bad play calling. Uh, I mean, take your pick of any of those things. We see, we saw a whole lot of it this past Friday, and we've seen a whole lot of it this season. So it almost feels like, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result each time. That's what the LOS are doing right now. They are insane because they keep doing the same things over and over again, 
and they can't understand why they can't string a win to, uh, more wins together. Like, well, that's why. This is why. You abandoned the run too quickly. Uh, you got a quarterback that, uh, again, and I'm not trying to crap all over Pipkin, but he played a terrible game, and that's going to happen. He's a rookie. Let's not forget, exactly. folks, he's 23 years old. This is his first go as a professional football player. So, yes, I'm sorry to say it. He's going to make mistakes. I even said this during training camp that I, don't be surprised if either Matthew Schiltz or Antonio Pipkin are leading this team at some point. And guess what? They're going to take their lumps. But that's part of the growing experience. So you know what? I'm okay with that. It sucks because, yeah, I want the Alouettes to win. And they didn't because Pipkin played a bad game. But you know what? I can look back and say, you know what? If he grows from this, if he learns from it, then it's worth it. Exactly. That's th- th- This is what, what uh, I think a lot of people don't really understand when it comes to the quarterback situation. Not everybody is going to walk in and play lights out football all the time. Even take a look at uh, some of the, the more established quarterbacks in this league. And mm-hmm. they, they falter just as bad. They make just as many mistakes. And sometimes you just have to sort of accept that this is going to happen. And again, if, if Pipkin was a 10-year veteran and playing like that, then yeah, I'd have a, a whole different uh, different thing to say about that. Again, look at look what I've been talking about with Drew Willie this year, who's almost ten years older than what Antonio Pipkin is, and you compare the way those two quarterbacks play; it's night and day, big time. Just in the way that they, the way they approach the game, and the way that they ended up their body of work, essentially. Exactly. Take a look, take a look at the two, and there, there's a huge difference in that. But all of a sudden, people and what made me laugh more than anything else. Like throughout the game, like I'm going through Twitter and I'm taking a look at everything and people are just talking about, oh, Antonio Pipkin, six, uh, six picks in three games. I'm like, yeah, that happens. Uh, I'll, I'll take the quarterback who does that versus the quarterback who throws four picks in one game. But yep. then then Pipkin throws four picks in yep. one, but you know, one we, game. Speaking of quarterbacks, we got a lot to talk about. And, and, you know, we are lucky to be able to have our guest with us this week. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Cliff, I think it's what better time is to go ahead and bring in our guest. Well, we mentioned we had a guy, a guy who can help us talk about what it's like to be a quarterback, to be in a situation where you're a starter, and then you get knocked down to be, if you go to being a, uh, a backup. Um, hey, and, and anybody who's been following the Alouettes for the past couple of seasons know exactly who this guy is. Former quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes, Tanner Marsh. Tanner, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, I always love joining you on the podcast. I know your football, and I love talking to y'all and having some good debates and talk. I'm very excited to be back on. Well, we, we got well, it. Go ahead, Cliff. Go ahead, Cliff. I was going to say, you're, you know you're always welcome on the flight deck, so uh, we're extremely thrilled to have you joining us again. Well, I appreciate it. I, I enjoy the heck out of it, so I'm excited to be back. So we we got to talk about the thing about what's going on in in Alouette's land, and I know Cliff and I aren't too happy about it, but let's, let's at least at least set the scene here, Tanner. Um, being you know being a former player, former quarterback, starter, and and a backup, uh, came over through the right before the game started last week uh, on Thursday. Uh, basically, Johnny Menzel has a, a, a scrum with the press. And basically complains that uh, you know what I've been ready for two weeks. I'm ready to play. I'm wondering if the team is letting me, is is losing faith in me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to Cliff and myself, he just came off sounding whiny. When it comes to a locker room, Tanner, when you hear a player who thinks of himself, I guess as what seemed to be sounding better than others, 
What does that do to a locker room right before a game is about to kick off? Well, wait, I just want to clear up details. For, so this is, he made this comment after he, he started his first game yep. through four picks, then played his second game, played average if, if you want to be nice, then missed a whole week of practice, correct? Because he was sick or had the flu or something was wrong with him. And then he came and complained, complained about not being the guy. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's pretty dead on. Man, um, so that, that blows my mind. But you know, with the Montreal Alouettes, nothing really blows my mind anymore. Um, it's you know that's that's tough on a team sometimes because you know, as a guy that uh, you start a game, you're the leader of the team, you're rolling. And, and then you become the backup, you know, injury or someone else is playing better. Um, either way, you, you got to accept that role and, and be that guy. If you're the back, backup, you got to be the best backup. If you're the starter, you got to lead that team. And, you know, it's always been like the, the unsaid rule of the backup quarterback. No matter your situation, you always support the starting quarterback. And for, for him to kind of do that right before a game is just – I honestly, the only way I can explain it is it's the most Johnny Manziel thing you could possibly do. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, I, I, I hear this type of stuff and, you know, it, it goes to because when Vernon Adams was getting got the start over Manziel, you know, after Manziel's in town for what, three days or whatever it is. And then you have, I'm sorry, you have the asshat fans chanting, we want Johnny, we want Johnny. And basically, you saw how Vernon reacted after that. You, I mean, yeah. I can imagine how any quarterback would imagine when you have basically Manziel doing something and shooting off your mouth when, you know, you're not the, you're the backup and not the starter. I can only imagine what it did to Pipkin because as we saw, Pipkin came out rusty. He came out tentative. It, it makes us wonder if something, what he said, that Manziel had said, got, you know, got into the head of Pipkin, and voila, we saw what happened. I mean, as, as a player, Tanner, how much, I know there are facades, there can be how, how players talk in the media, but when it comes to a player hearing something, that type of thing, can it get into a head of a quarterback or any player right before a game? Well, you know, uh, it of course can, but I don't think it had any effect on his play because if uh, this was said, you know, before the game, he, he probably didn't see it till after the game. So, and honestly, when you're when you're the starter and you've been preparing all week and you're about to start in a football game, your your mind is focused on one thing and that's winning and plays, and you're focused on your game plan. You know, you're not really focused on the backup quarterback and what he's got to say, right. but. You know, it does have an effect, you know, because, you know, if you're playing knowing that you're kind of on a, a thin line, you know, if you you got to, you got to, you're held up to a different standard when you know the guy behind you is a big name guy. He was brought into play. He was, you know, he's, he's a big name person who, who's supposed to be playing and he's not. So, I mean, that, that does add pressure. I was in a similar situation when they brought in Troy Smith from Ohio State and, you know, it, it is tough. But it's something that, you know, most quarterbacks that are competitive nature guys, and I'm sure Pippen is, is, is they, they take that as a challenge, okay. which I'm sure he did, and why he played so well in that first game. But, I mean, it's, 
it's tough. I mean, the guy, it's only his second game, and it's there's gonna be in it's there's gonna be ups and downs, especially for young guys. I mean, it's I don't think it affected him, but Manziel being there, especially missing a whole week of practice and then still being on the active roster, that's I mean, that's 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 pretty crazy to me. No, I agree. And, you know, Cliff and I were talking, we're talking to other fans while we're in the stadium. And again, the asshat fans were doing the exact same thing when Port- when Pipkin was playing. I understand he was having a bad game and they were doing the Johnny chant again. And, and to me, it's just like, shut up. Let the let the dude try what he can do. But yeah. um, hearing that thing. The problem, the problem with Montreal is, is, is oh, there's some problem with Montreal, but what's an organization that you see all the successful teams do is, they pick a guy and they say, this is my guy. This is who I'm riding with for the whole year. This is who I'm riding, the ups, the downs, every single thing. This is my guy. He's going to take us to Thomas Land and he's going to lose us every game. But he's going to learn from everything he does. And the successful organizations, that, that, that quarterback becomes their guy or they move on the next year and they pick another guy. Right. For example, you know, I, I'm going to use Calgary, who is obviously the best team in the CFL. You know, they picked Bo Levi, and he didn't start off this superstar Bo Levi that we all know. He had his ups and downs, but now he's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best in CFL, and is going to go down as a top 10 to ever play in the league. So it's, 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 it's one of those things where you've got to ride with your guy or move on to the next one. You can't keep being like, okay, give him a chance. Okay, he, he struggled this one, but played, okay, this one now. You know, it can't be a carousel quarterbacks and Who's going to play good this week? Okay, now let's play that. You know, that that's not a successful organization. It's not how you run a team. You look at Manziel's first start. He only drew, a Tanner, an extra 2,000 people. It's funny to see with all the, the hype that Manziel gets, uh, got from the league, from TSN, uh, you know, from the team when he first arrived, that he's only good for 2,000 extra people. I mean, he's more, obviously he's more than just uh, he's just more, more than a promotion. But the, the way that the team went about it, that's that's basically what it seemed like. It you'd think yeah. you'd think that he would have drawn more than two thousand people. But you know, I guess the next gauge will be for the next if he does start the next home game uh, on the thirtieth versus Saskatchewan to see what 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 he draws. But I I would think that you would need to base it off of talent. And not necessarily of how well somebody can draw. Well, you know, you know what brings in more than two thousand people? Winning. Yeah, that's what brings in people. There's no secret formula to it. Win. Have a winning team. You will bring fans. Will come see good football. At the end of the day, that that's it. You put a good team out there that has great chemistry, that works good together, that wins games, and is productive. That brings in people, and it gets rid of those fans that that boo and ask for Manziel after one bad throw. And it brings in those true fans that, that Montreal is beautiful for. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's honestly what frustrates me more than anything. And, you know, I've gotten some people saying, Oh, you're a hater. No, I'm not. I don't hate on anybody. What I, what I hate to see is the Montreal Alouettes not be successful because Montreal, I believe is an amazing city and it's an amazing football city when the team is doing well and it's winning. And it's, Instead of trying to sell jerseys and sell seats, let's focus on winning, and then the rest will come. Tanner, I've been saying that for I don't know how long, because people always ask me too, like whenever I go on other podcasts, and and then say, what can the Alouettes do to get the fans back? What can the Alouettes do to become successful again? I'm like, 
I, I, you just exactly you said exactly what I've been saying all along. You've got to win football games. That's what's going to draw fans to. in. That's what's going to sell tickets. That's what's going to sell merchandise. That's what's going to sell everything. Is just win, win football games. And you said it, you couldn't have said it any better. The rest takes care of itself. And you know what was sad is I when I went back to Montreal and I saw watched the Johnny's first start, which was fun. It was awesome, but it it it, it hurt my heart because I saw John Bowman, Chip Cox, and Study just. The guys that you could feel their love for the team, freaking pushing for that extra yard, battling. And Bowman, you could literally – I would buy season tickets just to watch him play because he he's not the best player out there. He's for sure not the youngest. And he is out there bullying kids, pushing that extra yard. You could see him battling for every single play. And, and I can't say that for the rest of the team. And it's – that was the saddest thing watching that game is those guys that have been there for a long time know what it's like to win in Montreal, know the vibe in the city when they're winning, know how, you know, the, the, when the team wins, how well everything else goes, and, and them battling for those wins. And I can't say that for every other person on the team. Now, I don't know everyone else as good as I know those few guys, but still, are you, to me, there was a difference in their play than everybody else. And Bowman, on top of that, the beast that he is, is, is playing with a torn muscle. I mean, it's, it, it, in his arm, it, it's crazy. You know, I, I totally agree with you. But, you know, they you, you mark it right, you can win right, but you need to have the the locker room. You got to have the players. You got to have you got to have everything. So it's now, now Tanner. You, what what do you think when it comes to? I know we're getting away from Johnny for a second here, but when it comes to the change of whether it be a coach during the season or coming in with a new head coach. What's what? What is it like? What does that do to the to the locker room? Can it do anything, or is it just a matter of getting used to what what his type of game that he wants you to play? Well, it just kind of matters. I mean, different you know head coaches bring in their own philosophy, and they every whole head coach, every team is is a reflection of their head coach head coach and in the culture that that coach brings in. So it it has a little bit of effect on the team, and then sometimes if you bring them in the middle of the season or it, it, it does have an impact on you, it kind of gives you a boost of morale, saying, okay, we've got new, something new, they're going to change it up. I mean, it can go both ways, but at, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the culture you have of the team, and that's, that's honestly what is the most important thing when it comes to bringing in a new head coach or a new OC or any type of coach that you, you know, bring in, especially mm-hmm. in the middle of the season. Yeah. Now back back to the Manziel situation. What's happening now? Uh, um, you know, we Cliff and I hear that thing, and many fans hear what Johnny said over the phone uh, or, uh, to the media, and it's like he comes off as being a prima donna that he's better than everybody. I, I'm sure everybody has their different opinions on what was you know what they heard in the actual interview to what was said in the newspaper, if it if it meshed or not. But for fans that hear that type of thing, and then Cliff, I'm sure you want to want to weigh in on this too is that when i hear that type of stuff that he's talking about and i know that we have good quarterbacks on the team because i think we have some on the active roster and i think that's some amazing quarterbacks young quarterbacks and we can go far but i hear the type of stuff for a guy who comes in who's who basically yes he has a name but right now he's just a name sure he won a, a heisman as a freshman yeah so what you come in and he you, you basically you open your mouth and i just want to tell him to shut his mouth and and you know and know your role 
You're a backup quarterback. Shut up. You're still getting paid. You need to earn your spot. If a guy is doing well, let him play. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. It's, uh, you know, my my thing with, with Manziel, and before I really kind of get into it, I do want to hear y'all's opinion because I, I, I feel like this will be fun. Yeah. Um, I just, something that blows my mind is we're hyping this guy up where he's Johnny Manziel, a former Heisman winning quarterback. But at the end of the day, the, the guy hasn't played winning football since 2013, 2014. He hasn't played good football in 2013-14. One, because I saw him a person when I went up there, he looked out of shape. He doesn't look anything like he did when he was playing for the Browns, when he was at his peak level of competitiveness as a quarterback. And Johnny Manziel is known for his quickness, his, his making plays, making throws that after making a crazy play, he's not known for taking a three-step drop, first pitch, banging that post, or hitting that 18-yard comeback. He's known for making crazy throws over the middle and escaping, making great runs. And that's not who he is anymore. You can look at him. He, he, he looks out of shape. He, he doesn't look like he's this freak of an athlete that he was in college or even when he had a little bit of success in Cleveland. So it's, it, it blows my mind that ESN and all these, these programs can be like, Johnny Manziel's here, and then they show him, and he, he doesn't even look the part. He wears, a, he wears an Under Armour and doesn't even fill it out. Like he, it's just, and the thing is, is, I'm not hating on the guy. I've heard from in the organization of Montreal that he's an amazing guy, and his, his personality isn't what you think that the media has portrayed in the past. He, he's a great guy. But he's not the quarterback that won the Heisman. He's not this superstar. He's not the next Anthony Calvillo. He's, he's not this guy that is going to save the Montreal organization. That's not who he is right now. Cliff, well, and now I'd love to hear what y'all have to say. I I'm not going to get too deep into it now because I want to hear y'all have to I know, I know. Cliff, what was that going to I said, Cliff, I know you and I talked. Uh, what, what was your thought with the, currently with the whole Manziel thing? I mean, we know. But did, you won the Heisman, what, in 2012, correct? Uh, uh, 2013. Yeah, 2013. That was five years ago. That was a, that was, that's a lot of yeah. That's a lot of football. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So so Cliff, 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 what were your, your thoughts here, Cliff? Because I know you and I went well, off, you and I went off on Friday. <laughs> yeah, we we were pretty not we were not impressed to, to say the least. <laughs> uh, Tanner, this is the one thought that's kind of creeping in my mind more than anything else is. Johnny's made no bones about the fact that he's using the CFL as a stepping stone to get back to the NFL, to revitalize his his football career. And I get that, and I can appreciate that. But I'm just thinking, like, strictly from, like, a player's point of view, like, behind the scenes and all that stuff, to me, I'm thinking all 32 coaches in the National Football League, if they're hearing about some of these shenanigans that are going on in Montreal with Manziel... I'm pretty sure they're not even giving him a second look or even giving him a second thought. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Well, I don't, you know, I think in the NFL, the media thing is, it's, it's more, they have people that can protect guys and be like, Hey, no, no, don't, we're not saying that. You know, it's, it's a little different when it comes to that drama outside of football. They, they contain it more, if that makes sense. But 
I'll tell you one thing, people down south aren't looking at somebody that just threw four in their perceptions in the first half of their first CFL start. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I got too. And again, I, I think if, if Johnny were to really apply himself and really prove that he's serious about wanting to play football, maybe he could be something here. But that's the thing. Like, this is the one thing that uh, like the talking heads on TSN keep talking about over and over again is the potential. The potential. Well, you said it yourself. The guy's been playing football for he won the Heisman like five, six years ago. And what's he done since? Not a whole there's, lot. There's a point where you gotta potential loses you games. You know, there's a point where you gotta become that person. I, I agree. And we're still waiting for that. And people are buying into the hype solely because of the name, solely because of what he did all those years ago. Or what he did on TMZ or anything else that you just, you know, his name, but that's it. You just don't know the football player. And I'm starting to wonder if we ever truly will get to know the football player. And I think just to, to, to pin all of your hopes, put all your eggs in that one particular basket is just a recipe, for, a further recipe for disaster. And with the Montreal Alouettes right now, like, yeah, they were shaky to start throughout the year. And, very little has changed, but I mean, they, I felt like they had turned a corner when they had Pipkin in there and things were starting to slowly click. And then now we're back to back to square one, really, when it comes to Manziel. And I just don't see any end in sight because as far as I'm concerned, I think the team thinks that barring injury, that we got to stay with Manziel throughout the year. And I just can't I just can't shake that feeling right now. Well, I mean, it's, it's still a point with the Alouettes. You, you just got to pick your guy, you know. Pick someone that you want to roll with. You got to stick with him. And as much as I don't think it should be Manziel, because I think they have two, possibly three other quarterbacks on that roster that not only I think can win them games right now, but have more potential. So it's – but either way, I support them picking whoever they want to pick and say, this is our guy, we're riding ups and downs, and this, this is who we're going to go with. Instead of playing this, okay, well, uh, he had a bad game. Okay, now let's give this guy a chance. No, let's, let's pick a guy, and let's roll with him. Yeah, I agree. That, that's, that's the only way that, that you know, this guy's going to get, uh, a quarterback's going to get enough confidence and get enough reps under his belt. You know, considering the whole thing that, that what Manziel said, and I said this a couple of times, and I actually agreed with a couple of people, and this is some people from the media that I was talking to with, by the way, post-game, Tanner, and they basically said the same thing I did. It's like, no matter what, no matter the outcome of how, uh, of how Pipkin did, even though it was a bad game, yes, considering what Manziel had said, we felt that no matter what, to put him in his place, yes, I know they're still paying him, but to, to basically to make a, an example is he should have been third string this week, in my opinion. I really think he should have been third string. It's just like, listen, you should know what to say. Support your team. You, you will get your shot. Yes, you're still getting paid. Again, as I said before, just shut up, Johnny. Know your role. And you know what? Learn. Because this is a, this is a new game. You have guys who have a lot more experience. It may not be more, but they have a lot more experience than you do. And you have some stuff to learn. Yeah. I agree. You got, it's one of those things where it, it is tough because this guy has all this hop around his name, but there's a point, you know, the thing that makes teams successful are is everyone buying into their role. And, um, you know, that, that's something that's, that's, that's critical to be successful. So, uh, and it doesn't seem like he's doing that very well. And like I said, I agree. I don't think, I, I mean, I think 
if I'm the Alouettes and I'm sitting here saying, you know what, I need to give some people, somebody a chance. I got to give these guys an opportunity to play. I mean, I like Pipkin. Yeah, he struggled last game. He does turn the ball over a little bit, but I mean, he shows promise. He's young. And you know what? I'm I'm still a true believer in Vernon Adams. I think he has a ton of potential and, and did a great job when I saw him play last. I know he's come back from injury, but I'm also a fan of Schultz. I think the guy came in with a Calgary team that is obviously pretty dang good and, and held his own. He turned the ball over, but he, he still made some throws that you look at and you say, man, that's a mature throw. And that's just something I haven't seen from Manziel yet. And I get Schultz had another year in the CFL, but it's, it's, it's still just frustrating watching it because I had to go through it when I played, and it's, it's something that I feel like is, is only in Montreal. You know, you, you only see stuff like this that happens in Montreal, and it kind of shows you, you know, Montreal's ended in the bottom of the league the past three years, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's, you know, when are you going to learn from your lessons, you know, when are you gonna learn? It's, it's frustrating. I can only imagine how frustrated you guys are in Montreal and stressing out over the um, the situation there. I can only imagine. Right, you get con- you well, get uh, you get no continuity at all. I mean, and just just the amount of. I mean, the Owls, the most points the Owls have scored this year, I think, is twenty four points. You're not going to win very many games just by scoring twenty four points in the CFL. Yeah, no way. It's it's funny that you mentioned consistency and uh, things that were. That happened in the past. One of the points we brought up uh, just as the show was getting underway was I talked about how insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results each time. It's kind of funny. I seem to recall a young quarterback uh, for the Alouettes who played pretty well and was then replaced by a former Heisman winner that uh, didn't quite pan out. So I'm, I, I, I guess if nothing else, the Alouettes are consistent in some of their decisions. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going back here. I'm going back. I'm looking at the. You're you're talking about how you know in and outs with quarterbacks stuff like that. Back in 2015, uh, when you had your last start versus BC, and, and you know you were basically the you were the double stuff to uh, to a Raheem Cato and, and uh, Jonathan Crompton sandwich, where basically you know it was three starting quarterbacks in three weeks. Do you remember that situation, Tanner, when it came to you starting the first that one week versus BC, and then? Jonathan Crompton coming coming in and uh, and uh, and getting the start the next week. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that. I remember that whole year, and uh, I do have a lot of regrets to that year with that organization. But um, yeah, you know it's tough because that was a it was an interesting year because Crompton. I got Crompton and me were balanced for that starting position. Um, during camp, I ended up uh, getting injured. So I started the season on the six-game injured list. So uh, Crompton got injured in the first game. Then Dan LaFever came in and got injured. And then Bridge came in and played all right. And then that's when they gave the next start to Cato. And that's kind of when that whole Cato thing started off. And um, I literally, what's crazy about that whole situation is I came back off an injury and all I was supposed to do was hold field goals and do the short yardage th- uh, thing because my knee was still not 100%, but 
but it just I wasn't comfortable yet on it. You know, I'm I was one of those quarterbacks that would throw, but I also use my feet a lot to help me uh, be successful. And I I wasn't 100 percent comfortable with running, and I ended up getting thrown into a game versus Hamilton and ended up playing okay. And then the next game started, and it was just it was just a, a crazy situation because we were we were looking for wins, really needed them. Uh, Jim Pop came in as the coach, and it was just kind of we really need wins, and it was a, it was a, uh, almost like a high alert locker room because people were coming in and out, in and out, getting cut left and right, and it was just, it was a hectic time, and um, stuff like that. That's where, you know, being consistent and be having that connection with the team. That's when it starts kind of getting, you know, rumbled around a little bit, and it starts affecting the team a little bit. So it is tough, but. Um, you know, it is part of the game, but like I said, it's one of those things where that's another year where you got to say, okay, I'm going with this guy, that's my guy, and we're rolling with the ups and downs. Yeah. You know, so, and that's that's a, that's another perfect situation because the last time the Alouettes had a winning season was in 2014 when uh, Crompton was starting. And then I would come in, we'd rotate around, we'd, we'd, we'd have different packages, it was, and it was great. And, and the thing that made us successful is because that's who we were. You know, Crompton did a great job of playing Jonathan Crompton football. He wasn't going to blow you away with a 300, 350-yard, 400-yard game, but he was going to consistently beat you with doing what he had to do. And I would get thrown in there once in a while, and I would do what I had to do. Everyone knew their role. And we all accepted that role and, and did it the best we could. And we ended up playing some great football. So and that's, that's, that's what made us a winning team. Yeah. And that was the last time we won is when they said, hey, these are the guys we're going with. This is who we're sticking with. And that was the year we came back from 1-7. and seven. So it's, uh, I think there is a winning recipe. And it's, uh, it's almost like Montreal saw it and then kind of backed away from it. You know, man, I, I mean, so this this Friday, it's going to be Menzel getting the start, whether he, we think he deserves it or not, or whether the world thinks he deserves it or not. It's Johnny Menzel time in Winnipeg. Uh, what personally are you are you expecting to see, Tanner? I mean, provided you're going to watch the game, but uh, <laughs> yeah. what 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 are we going to what are we going to see if just based on well, what I, you've seen I and want, what you've I, heard? I want Manziel to be good. I want him to do good for for himself. I mean, he's a Texas quarterback, baby. I got to support him. <laughs> I, I don't have anything against him. I want him to do well, but he, he, you got to put your, yourself in a situation to do well. You can't miss practice all week and then complain that you're not starting. Like seriously, that's that's. I've never heard of that in my life, especially in professional sports. And. I hope he does well. I want him to do well. He has played some very good football in the past, and I hope that comes out for him and for Montreal because I have I know a ton of people on that team still that want to win. So I hope he does well. But I know Winnipeg's a tough place to play in, and it's it's going to be a tough game for him. It is. It's going to be tough. Before we let you go, Tanner, we have to ask. We, it's been a while since we had you on the pod. You know, the last time I, we, we had you on was for that uh, at, uh, our first season. For our, it was an off-season special. We had you chatting. Um, yeah. Bring bring the fans up to date. What what are you currently doing uh, doing right now in uh, the great old state of Texas? 
I am, you know, I'm down here. I run football camps. Uh, I train quarterbacks. Um, uh, I coach. Um, I, I go back and forth between Montreal and here to coach quarterbacks. And then I uh, started uh, my own company. Um, I'm just down here, you know, enjoying life. Being, you know, post-football life is nice. You know, you don't have to deal with the stress. Well, Tanner, you, you know, we always appreciate your time. We love talking football with you. Um, if, if anybody wanted to happen to follow you on social media, uh, how can they do that? Um, they go on my Twitter, which is Marsh Madness 16, I believe. Let me double check that. I'm, it I'm is. Um, it or is. you can follow me on Instagram, Marsh Madness 6. My Twitter is Marsh Madness 16. So just basically call Marsh Madness and you can find me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, again, it's it's uh, it is a pleasure to have you on, Tanner. You're always welcome to join us. Uh, you know, just you know, shoot us a shoot one of us a text message or something over on social, and uh, by all means, man, you're 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 always welcome to join us on, on the pod. Uh, it's it's always great to hear the the insight of a of a, a an Alouette's alum, and obviously a, of a, a guy who played quarterback in in the in the pros. Well, you know what, man, I love talking to you guys. I've, I've had my fair share of different podcasts, and you guys are by far my favorite. Um, you guys know your football. You guys do your research. You know, you, you make sure you – know, you know what you guys are talking about, and you guys do a great job. And I absolutely love talking football with y'all. So. Well, we said we were going to talk about Johnny Manziel, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, and it was great to have Tanner on the show once again. That's it. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. What better way, as I said uh, before the beginning of the show, what better way to talk football, talk being a quarterback, knowing what it's like than to talk to Tanner. Uh, again, thanks for thanks to him for joining us. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'd love to have you back, man, at any time. Greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Lots of great insight, uh, as you said, uh, from someone who's sort of been in the situation as far as quarterback goes for Montreal. Uh, he's done it all. Like He was a starter. He was a backup. Uh, he's been relegated uh i mean he's he's pretty much seen and done it all like in his very short time with montreal uh relatively speaking i mean he's seen it all and done it all so i, I think if anyone can really truly relate to what's going on right now with the quarterbacking situation it's definitely tanner and we, again we definitely appreciate his insight and uh you said it absolutely 100 he's definitely welcome back on the flight deck anytime he wants now, we got the game up on Friday. It is the uh, Johnny Manziel uh, beginning again, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Manziel 2.0. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's not the $16 million man. There's, a, there's another old school reference. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> $16 million man. Um, let's talk about this game, Cliff. You know, the Owls come in, I think it's funny, they come in in a better situation, even though their quarterback situation is sort of off kilter, but they're coming in a better, really sitting better than the than uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have, because it, it's been a little bit tougher for them uh, over the past few weeks, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, playing the uh, both the Banjo Bowl and the Labor Day Classic against the Riders definitely uh, took a number on the psyche, I think, for Matt Nichols, and I have to say, like I really thought that Matt Nichols was going to really, truly shine this year and he was kind of of, yeah based off of our choices for them winning the great cup pretty much but i i I really thought that winnipeg had what i felt would be the overall complete team i didn't say we're going to go you know 18 or no i didn't think they were going to do anything super outstanding but i really thought they had the most complete team to start the season and that was going to make them great cup contenders but uh, i mean they've just been so so hot and cold 
more cold though. And I look at what Matt Nichols has done over the past couple of games and I kind of feel like he's sort of where Antonio Pipkin is, is that he has good games, but then he has a bad game and now everybody wants the back of a quarterback in. So it's, it's a tough situation for, uh, for Nichols and he's now got to play this game with Chris Trevler sort of looming in the shadows. Uh-huh. And even though Chris shadow, I, I won't even dare to compare Chris Trevler to Johnny Manziel as far as backups that kind of, uh, yeah. What's that word I'm looking for? Sort of move the needle, if you will. I, it was but, funny is I actually think Trevler's more, more of, John, uh, of a uh, Antonio Pipkin type considering what he's gone through and, and how their games, their games have really mimicked each other. Cause Trevler started off hot. Look what he did versus us. You know, uh, and basically shellacking us, but then he tailed off. It's sort of what Pipkin's done too, but it's but uh, Pipkin's not starting. It's Manzel. But you always knew that they're going to go back to Nichols no matter oh, what. Yes, oh, once, for sure. Once the, whereas even though like Manzel got hurt, and you knew eventually that they'd go back to Manzel, but it's just in the fact it just wasn't done in the same fashion. Uh, so in that sense, it's I, I see where you're going with this, but. Uh, I mean, it's definitely uh, an interesting situation right now because Matt Nichols is supposed to be the guy in Winnipeg. And past couple of games, he's just looked terrible, quite frankly. Uh, this Winnipeg defense, too, has really not done a whole lot. And people are in Winnipeg are calling for the uh, D.C.'s head there. Uh, Richie Hall just hasn't really produced anything consistent or outstanding as far as a defensive strategy goes. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they really thought that, OK, we'll just keep giving the ball to Andrew Harris and... Uh, That'll be the big difference. And again, not a bad strategy for the most part, but you got to have a little bit more than just uh, a really awesome running back as well if you want to succeed in the Canadian Football League. And Winnipeg right now, I, I mean, they're technically in the basement in the CFL West, but I mean, a couple of games here and there, and it all changes. So I think they're coming into this. They're not taking Montreal lightly, and I think that they really have to, they know they got to get their act together. And what better opportunity than against a team that also is fighting for their lives as well. So, I mean, this is going to be one of those games that I think really truly can be a very fascinating game to watch for so many reasons. Oh, I think so too. And there are so many different, you know, there's so many other things too that we have to look at for this game. I mean, first, you know, like Montreal last week, they're coming off of a bye. They're coming into a game having lost four straight. Um, you know, uh, you know, since 2016, the Bombers are four and one actually after a bye, uh, compared to zero and four versus between 13 and 15. So they're they're four and five since 2013. Um, Nichols is coming. This is going to be his his 100th CFL game. So that that's that's an interesting thing too. But, but as you said before, it's you know they're 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 calling for many heads. I mean, it's I think I think how many times has poor Nichols been booed this year? I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what blew my mind, and again, it, it's so relatable, is during that banjo bowl, like, guy, uh, he gets knocked out of the game in, injury wise, or at least banged up somehow. He's at least got to sit out for three plays. Strevler comes in and looks okay. And as soon as Nichols comes back in because he's healthy or ready to go again, he gets he gets the boo birds after him. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you expect? I mean, that that's your guy. Like, what? I mean, this is this is who you're, you're supposed to go with, obviously. But again, like you just like fans in Winnipeg, I just uh, they want to see winning football. I, I don't blame them. But I mean, I mean, is Strevler really that good that you really want to just chuck Matt Nichols aside? I mean, I don't know. I, I it, it's it's fascinating to me to, to see what's going on in Winnipeg. And 
this Friday, I, I'm really curious to see if Matt Nichols struggles out of the gate. Are we going to hear we want Chris chance? Maybe, maybe I can't mock, help but wonder. Maybe mocking us. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they'll say we want Johnny. <laughs> like, like as in trade it Manziel to Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, Nichols coming is, is his 100th career game. He's scheduled to make his 60th regular season start. Um, and what's funny is that, you know, they've lost four straight. This is also Nichols's longest losing streak of his career. So, and I think one of the big things we've been talking about, you know, how badly when it comes to Montreal and their interceptions as of late, uh, over the last three games, Cliff, Matt Nichols has actually thrown seven INTs. So it, that can bode well for our defense. You know, as we mentioned at the beginning, when we were talking, talking with Tanner too, is that, you know, we have a lot of faith in our defense. Our defense is playing quite well. It's just, again, it's just a matter of let's make sure that the, uh, that the O is out there long enough that these guys don't get gassed. Yeah. And, again, take advantage of the run game for crying out loud. I mean, oh, it's, it's not hard. I know Johnny wants to, no doubt, make as many highlight reel passes and throw for touchdowns. And, as I said earlier, we do, we do need to score touchdowns, absolutely, 100%. But let's not abandon the run game anymore. Can we at least we, – we've got – Two studs mm-hmm. in William Standback and Ryder Stone. These guys can carry the rock. I mean, especially if Johnny starts to struggle, and you know he will because, as you said, he's got he's going to have some rust on him. I he's so. he's still going to he, he hasn't seen a game situation in almost forty one. It'll be about forty one days by the time he's he's last been on the football field in a, a real situation. Don't overthink things. Just you know, you got a couple of really valuable, hardworking running backs put them to good use in addition to moving your feet in addition to throwing that long bomb down to bj cunningham or eugene lewis Mm -hmm. and those guys will definitely have to step up and be that that threat for johnny because he he's not one for the uh, the short passes necessarily so you want to see those highlight real he's going to do everything he can to get on tsn and sports center down in the states i i think if if lewis and cunningham can get themselves open and make their quarterback look like a million dollars, that's going to change a lot of uh, perceptions as to what people are going to think about Johnny Manziel. And again, that's only going to bode well for the Alouettes, because if Johnny Manuel does well, then by proxy, the Alouettes are going to be doing well. And God forbid, they just might actually win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, before we talk about a little bit more about the game, the Alouettes, we've been talking about this all year, five dimes currently has the game at uh, that the Bombers are favored by 10 and a half points. And I, I'm like, what? <laughs> I, 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 is it, is this the Manziel effect? I mean, uh, over under is uh, 53 points. Is this the Manziel effect? Do you think if John, if uh, Pipkin had been starting that the that the line would be lower or or, or higher? Oh, I think it'd be lower if uh, Pipkin was playing. Uh, again, I I really don't think one bad day at the office would would mean a, a such a huge swing in points. I really think it's because Manziel's playing, and I'm sorry to say, but Manziel doesn't have a winning record. He doesn't have anything noteworthy mm-hmm. as far as uh, offensive performance goes in his very brief Canadian Football League career. So yeah. I, I can see why they would take a look at this and just assume that it's going to be an ugly game. And it, it definitely could be. I think it's but, funny. They're uh, giving a 5-7 team, 5-7 uh, team, 7 uh, Team, ah, third time, a, a uh, they're making them a ten point favorite at home, and which I'm, you know, Edmonton was justified, Calgary justified. This is not justified. 
if anybody happened to listen, I was on the uh, Cana- what is it, the uh, Canadian Football Countdown podcast uh, this week. Uh, listen to it over on, on, on many places where you, you listen to uh, your podcast. But I mentioned that uh, to the guys there that it's off. This is off by at least four points. I, I think, to me, a, a more reasonable uh, line would be, the, uh, would be the Bombers' favorite by six. Mm-hmm. I just have, can't help but wonder if that home field advantage, because, again, when, when the Bombers are playing well— Investors Group Field is definitely a tough place to play. Like th- these guys definitely get loud for their teams. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if maybe that's kind of what's swinging those extra points in uh, Winnipeg's favor. But uh, I guess there's a lot of factors to consider as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it on on the surface it does look a little high, but uh, I, I would definitely say it it really would be the the Manzel effect. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that the Yalowitz do have to deal with this week is Andrew Harris. Uh, he's only 16 yards uh, shy of reaching 1,000 rushing yards for the fourth time in his career. Um, what's your, uh, what do the Owls do to, ha- to have to control him? Because I would think that Harris would be more of a threat this week, especially if, uh, if Nichols is not playing that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll definitely be leaning on Harris as well. They should because, yeah, the guy is an absolute beast. Uh, this is where you're going to love having Hinoch Mwamba, uh, a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, no less. Uh, I think he'll be uh, he'll be looking to get uh, his hands on Harris and try to stop him at every turn. Uh, this defensive line is going to have of the Alouettes is going to have to step up big. Uh, they're going to have to get a lot of pressure on Nichols, force him to try and dump off to to Harris and 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 make Harris work. Essentially, uh, th- this linebacking core has to be able to put pressure on Nichols and just force him to to try that long ball because when he connects with it, it's a thing of beauty. But more often than not, he too has also been very inconsistent with a lot of his throws. And I think Montreal's defense, they're going to be up for this challenge. I think you said it earlier and you're absolutely right. This defense has kept Montreal looking somewhat respectable. And if they could have that, just a little bit of that same success that the, the Riders had against uh, Matt Nichols and the Bombers, Picking him off and uh, returning some touchdowns, that could change things in a hurry for the for the Alouettes and make people sit up and take notice. And that's what you got to do against a team like Winnipeg, because I still think they're a very good team overall. I think they're in a bit of a, a bit of a, a slide right now, but uh, they'll be looking to uh, bounce back. They'll be and what better team to do it against in theory than Montreal? Montreal has to be aware of that as well, and they just got to. They got to find that certain something. And I sincerely hope good or bad, whatever Manziel does on on the field, he's got to produce and this whole team has to produce and they've got to rally around their quarterback and it's got to work somehow. And that's all anyone, anyone who supports the Alouettes, that's all they got to hope for is that Manziel finds a way that for all of his talk, all of his bluster, everything that has gone down over the past uh, eight to 10 days, this is his time, and he's going to be given every opportunity to succeed. So, so we should we should say put up or shut up. Is that can we, is that a good? Can we say that now? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I think I, I said it earlier in the alternative too. Is that there's no more excuses. I don't want to hear. Well, just give him a chance. I'm just give him a No, he's had chances. It's time to produce. Like especially too, if you're if you're going to go and mouth off to the media about uh, you know you thought you were brought here to be the savior well guess what this is your time to be the savior so if you were supposed to be brought here to be the savior then be the savior mm-hmm. this is the time to do it otherwise you're gonna look like a jackass for you know running your mouth over nothing and you were being outplayed by a 23 year old who nobody could identify from a hole in the wall everybody knows who johnny manzel is up until about a month ago 
people had no idea who the hell Antonio Pipkin was. Now they do. So Johnny's time to produce is right now. There's no easing back in. There's no, 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 no. Time to go. Like, this is your time. You, you wanted to be the man? You're the man now. Go be the man. That's it. Now, we were talking about the defense earlier. I think one thing that the Owls defense needs to do is, is complete getting the job of getting to the quarterback. The Owls had so many chances last week uh, versus BC, and they just weren't able to complete, you know, able to, to get, uh, get any of their, their starting quarterbacks down uh, and sack them. That's one thing that we need to do this week. Um, also, the other thing, and I don't know how, 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 you know, how long these memories are for these players, but we all remember, if you're an Alouettes fan, you do remember exactly what happened the last time that the Alouettes played in Winnipeg. And uh, we don't want to rehash that again now, do we, Cliff? So, you know, we have long memories. We're always going to yeah. remember this blowing a 12-point lead or whatever it was in the last minute 10. A minute 40. A uh, minute 40, yeah. Yeah. And I say we got long memories. There are redeem yourself. Um, you know, you're yeah. Winnipeg's had your number. Winnipeg has had had the number of this Owls team since mid 2013. You know, they're the, the Owls are, are two and nine versus this Winnipeg team, and they've lost the last four. So things can. And I, I don't. And I don't think we want another repeat of uh, that podcast uh, after that winnipeg game <laughs> i don't was probably my, our I most don't think my wife wants to wants a repeat of what i did after the when they blew the lead <laughs> there's that too it was uh <laughs> like to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory like the way the alouettes did uh, yeah there was definitely gonna be a lot of uh things being broken and uh a lot of swear words and yeah so we don't want that again let's no. Let's see if we can't uh, get off this schneid and uh, let's let's see if we can't string a win together if, or at least a, a very good competitive match. Yeah, if nothing you know, else, there are there are there, there are different milestones as, as an Alouette fan that you want to do this year. So far, we have reached or we're tied one. Our next thing is to just we need to get one more win. We've broken all the streaks that we had leading into the season. Those are gone. The next one is to uh, get a win and get our fourth win to break, you know, to surpass last year's total. That's the next thing. And then from there, if things go well, you know, we as we were talking last week, it's all about taking advantage of opportunities. And again, you need to remember that Winnipeg is still one of the teams that's in the running to, for the crossover from west to east. Mm-hmm. Beat the teams you need to. You know, the Owls, funny, the Owls have done better on the road this year than they have back at home at Percival Molson. Take this it- is true. Take advantage of it. Look at look at channel what you did the last game versus Ottawa in Ottawa. Maybe a different quarterback. It doesn't matter. Just take advantage of, of the situation. So, um, do not forget that we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us. The easiest way probably is to head over to our Twitter account. It's uh, at Alouettes FL Deck. Head over to our Facebook page. That is to search for Alouettes Flight Deck. And if you want to listen to the entire history and archive. Of Alouette's Flight Deck, since we've been doing it, you can head over to www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca. If you want to go and search on other locations for podcasts, there are a couple places that we can suggest. One being iTunes, one being Google Play Music, one being Stitcher, and one being Spotify. Um, you want to reach out to Cliff or myself, uh, you can reach out to Cliff at, at CliffyD. You can reach out to me at Repact, that's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. Before we finish up this week, Cliff, um, 
Any last thoughts on what's to come? Well, good, bad, or other, the Johnny Manziel era is back on. And, I mean, bar, uh, I said before, barring injury, uh, I think he's going to be the guy for the rest of the season, whether the Alouettes win or lose. So buckle up, folks. I guess uh, at the end of the day, we want the Alouettes to win by any means necessary. Uh, regardless of how you feel about Johnny Manziel, we want the Alouettes to win. And if he can help provide some wins for us, then that'd be great. But I, I, I'm cautious about this. I, I, I'm just so worried that uh, all the hype is just going to end up swallowing this team yet again. Uh, I just really don't know what to expect as far as this game goes in Winnipeg. But, uh, I mean, Johnny says he's ready to go. Uh, he, the squeaky wheel got the grease. He's got his starting job back. Let's see what he does with it, and uh, may God have mercy on us all. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can say is let's please, and we only, because Cliff and I heard about this while we were at the game, and we still gave it a face palm. Let's just not hear the coach say, yes, I think we had a very good week of practice, because usually in that case, as we've seen over the past couple of years, Cliff, we know exactly where that leads us. Oh, it is the kiss of death for Montreal. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hear those words, I just know right away we're done. Yeah. We are done like dinner. <laughs> All right. Maybe the guys, maybe the maybe the players, I, I know a lot of the players are listening to this podcast. Try having a bad week at practice. Yeah. Just just try it. Just just for, just fake for it. fun. Fake it. You know, get the coach. Fake to, it until you make it. Yeah, yeah, fake it. Fake it. That, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> have, have a... Have a stinky week at practice. Yes. Have a terrible week at practice. Yes. Because I want to hear them say, well, we, we we were really bad at practice. Or, like, as you said, it would be so bad, <laughs> you don't even dare mention it. Like, practice? What was practice? I don't know what practice so, is. <laughs> so how, how, was, how was the uh, – how was practice? How was practice this week, Coach? Well, you know what? Next question. <laughs> no, no. You know what? I really is it. I think we really, we really <laughs> the bed. That's how <laughs> – practice was that good. Oh, man. Well, we, again, we appreciate Tanner for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you guys for joining us each week to talk with, talk about Alouette's football. Cliff, I will see you on the Twitters during the game on Friday. Do not forget that we have uh, on our next home game, it's our first Sunday game of the year. Next Sunday, the 30th of uh, September. Do not also forget, hey, it is uh, Pure Later Tackle Hunger Day. Uh, I think they're going to bring the Grey Cup. Do they still do that, Cliff? I think they still do that. They sure do. Uh, so don't forget, uh, but we'll talk about that more next week. So again, for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.